Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total photonic reversal. Photonic reversal. With your hosts, Conan Neutron and Brenna Betts. Coming to you from the heart of the historically hipster mission. Gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. I'm, I'm from the South. <laughs> I'm a Southern Belle. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Christmas album. What an excellent professional segue that was. Well, I'm very curious about math rock. You know, I kind of know the sound man for Rob Zombie. I'm presenting you the illusion of choice. We will impress you later. Yeah, it's a very good question. And I like that because that'll be getting a middle and an end. Could not be more professional. Get you pumped up. We have answers. I just want to bring something up that I noticed via postings on the internet. That's like a science thing, right? Exactly. Nailed it. Nailed it. That's right. You're here, the one and only Protonkaversal, and the time slot that nobody expects. We like to throw off our enemies, and we like to throw off our friends, too, apparently. Uh, this is going to be the new time slot going forward for Protonkaversal. There's going to be an adjustment period. I'm going to go ahead and make that call right now. <laughs> and But this is going to be where you can find Protonkaversal. From here on out. Oh, so today we're going to have Mr. Jay Robbins of Jawbox, Burning Airlines, Office of Future Plans, and many more. And uh, I, I think we, there's been enough enough ado, if you will. So let's uh, go ahead and uh, talk to Mr. Jay Robbins, I would say, right now. Uh, so this is going to be Jay Robbins, master musician. 
coming up to you. Radio Nope for Controversial. Thanks for hanging in there, folks. We always appreciate it. Appreciate your patience. Appreciate your time. Appreciate all that you do. Appreciate you. More than anything else, we appreciate you, listener. Good listener. Good listener of Radio Nope. Radio Nope, say yes to Nope. Say no <laughs> to being picked up on, though. <laughs> hey, all right. So why don't we do this? Uh, why don't we go ahead and... He invites us to
that's a lot. We had a pretty good block of songs there. Uh, that was a good job box block. Uh, we had some uh, FF equals 6-6. We had some Utrow. Uh, there was the uh, Sound on Sound, the Big Boys cover. All kinds of uh, all kinds of awesome going on here. Uh, it's a, it's a Jawbox. It was a Jawbox extravaganza. That's right. Jawbox extravaganza. You know, we're going we're gonna to hear more Jawbox coming forward. We'll probably hear some Bernie Airlines and hear some uh, Office of Future Plans as well. I'm looking forward to all that. So uh, we'll be talking to Mr. J. Robin shortly, and until we get to that point, we will be listening to some tunes. How about that? So let's see. Why don't we hear here? Let's hear something off of the. Hmm, let's hear something off of the for your own special sweetheart record. Oh, why don't we hear this one? This is Green Glass. This is this is an interesting one. I think I think you'll like it.
Jawbox. That was a that was a one in a long series of blocks of the the works of, of Mr. J. Robbins. And I'd like to welcome to the Proton Controversial Airwaves, Mr. J. Robbins. Thank you so much for hanging in there with me, man. Oh no, it's uh, hey, no no problem. <laughs> you had to reboot. Yeah, <laughs> when in doubt, turn it off and turn it on. That's uh, the, the 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 rule of tech support, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's uh, fantastic to talk to you. I'm very excited to to speak to you about all the uh, the many myriad things that that you've done. I I thought it was very telling in its way that when I when I mentioned that you're going to be a guest on the show, you know, I tried to fit in as much promo information as possible. I was like, oh, we're gonna be. Jay Robbins of Jawbox, Burning Airlines, Office of Future Plans, etc. And then someone's like, you forgot government issue. It's like, <laughs> it's like well, I didn't forget government issue. I don't have a, like, a limited amount of space to put things in there. And Right. Uh, well, well, you know, if, if you hang around long enough, eventually you have your list of your list of things that you things that you've done. Presumably it gets a little bit long. So. Right. Well, I mean, let's say we got channels. Uh, you've got uh, uh, report suspicious activity. That's a uh, and, and I know there's lots more too. I'm, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Like, That's, is there, <laughs> it's a pretty good list. <laughs> is there is there ever a time? Oh, I would say so. Is there ever a time where you, where you say to yourself like, oh yeah, I was in that band, or do you ever forget? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, that one. Forgot all about that band. I don't think so. Okay, well, that's that's good. It's good that you don't. Uh, it's an incredible body of work, and it's it's interesting to me that there's been. I think you kind of have a unique voice with with what you've done, and uh, especially with anything that you've done with the guitar playing. I, I usually I'm usually pretty good about being able to catch when uh, people have certain influences or things along those lines. A lot of the stuff that you're up to, it sounds. All I can say is it sounds great. But well, I don't know where it is nice. you're coming from, and I, I think that's really interesting. Well, thank you. I know I, I know who I'm ripping off. <laughs> well, who were your guitar yeah. influences when you were when you were starting off when you're a younger man? Oh, uh, um, well, I mean, I mean, I feel like uh, Bob Mould in in Husker Du particularly. Sure, yeah. And Andy Gill from Gang of Four. Fantastic. And, um. You know, Ian and Guy from Fugazi, who are themselves sort of, I'm sure, influenced by Andy Gill. And then, um, and then really, I kind of like those were the, you know, oh, and, and probably as time went along, probably, um, Paige Hamilton from Helmet, and then, um, unquestionably, um, Dwayne Dennison. Jesus Lizard, and then probably Ken Andrews from Failure. You know, I mean, any any time. Um, I mean, there's probably a lot more actually, but I'd say that's pretty much our murderer's row of interesting and unique <laughs> shredders. So that's that's pretty good. I'd say yeah. at, at this point, and uh, it's you know, it's there's definitely I feel like a thread running through a lot of of what you've done from what I've heard, and and again, I haven't haven't necessarily heard everything but it definitely seems like there's an immediacy to it so I, and and again coming from someone that i'm a west coast guy and all of my knowledge of anything that went on the east coast is all just from you know zines and hearsay until i got into a touring band myself but getting into you know punk rock and you know whatever that is what, what was how would you equate that uh, versus you know the unique environment that we have now 
and how things are different now. Wait, sorry, how how would I do what? So <laughs> sorry, there's a question in there, I swear. <laughs> yeah. So no, it, when you got into started playing music, when you were getting into punk rock and you were getting into uh, you know playing in bands and playing in shows, what are what are the major differences then and now that you found? Like what are things that like kind of blow your mind that are different? Uh, well, I mean, uh you know, it's it's like it's a huge it's a huge question because you're you know when i started getting into punk rock and going to shows that's like 1984 1985 right right so um i mean that's pre-internet you know pluto was still a planet (laughs) um like uh there was still a soviet union you know what i mean like um but i mean probably pre-internet is the biggest the biggest thing the fact that um the fact that it was you know, when you wanted to find out about something, you really had to dig, you know? So, and now, you, I mean, you still have to dig a bit, but digging is way easier. So, um, but I don't think, um, you know, it all, it, it boils down to like a personal thing. And I, I would hope that people still have that experience. I mean, I think that they must, you know, like, I mean, I have very, I really cherish the uh, feeling that I remember from being, you know, 17 years old and, um, finding out about these, this weird subculture where, you know, the people were kind of making their own stuff and feeling like that was, you know, that, that intense feeling of like, well, that's where I want to go, you know, where they haven't written all the rules yet. And, and that's, I want to be a part of that. And I feel like, I feel like that's a feeling that people still have. So that's the important thing. And I don't think, I hope, I mean, I really don't think that that's changed, but I think it's probably easier for people to feel jaded about it now because it's not that hard to, you know, find like nothing's really exotic anymore right? because it's all just like a mouse click away. So, um, you know, but I know plenty of people, plenty of people who are younger, you know, who are way younger than me, who really aren't jaded and they still have like tremendous passion and enthusiasm and they want to make, they want to make their own culture. They don't want to just buy some, something off of, off the rack, you know? So, um, well, so I'm, I don't know. I mean, you know, the internet's a big, the internet's like, uh, that's huge. easy pickings. That's yeah. like a big thing, you know, but in terms of, of energy and stuff. I mean, my feeling about the mid eighties is like all tied up with the fact that I was a teenager too, you know, and I was like just venturing out of my, like wanting to venture out of my comfort zone into like this weird new, weird new space. So, um, you know, I'm like, I guess what I'm saying is like, I, I like lately I tend to not want to be nostalgic about the way things were as if like all this music stuff and culture stuff happened in the vacuum, you know, like it's all about, it was like, I, I feel like it's okay to be nostalgic about your, your experience of your youth. It's just like wrong to pretend that it was that, that the thing you were going to partake of was like somehow so unique and special in its time that, that the energy and, and specialness of it could never be, there could never be anything that special and cool again. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Like, and, and sort of paint it with a, a brush of just 
nostalgia of being, well, too bad that happened. That can never happen again. And <laughs> right, exactly. Well, of course, that particular thing could never happen again. Just like you can never be eighteen years old again. Sure. But like some other really awesome thing is happening right now, guaranteed. Like like loads of other awesome things are happening now. Oh, absolutely. You know? So, but I, and I, and I'm also curious that you know when you mentioned like the the power of the internet sort of leveling the playing field, so to speak. Do you feel that that sort of devalues music because everything, it's not just that there's what is this week, it's there's the immediacy of everything from all time available at all times. It's like, you know, overwhelming almost. Yeah, I think it's a danger, but I don't think, it doesn't, <clears throat> it doesn't super bum me out, you know. Like, when I... um like I had this, uh, there used to be this band, this DC band called Beefeater that I really liked in the eighties. And I, they had a, um, um, their best record was, they were on discord, but their best record was this EP that they put out, um, on a DC label called Olive Tree that it's never like the record's just gone. It's lost. It was this EP called need a job. And, um, you know, I found it on somebody's blog. Like I, I lost my copy like oh, a wow. time ago. Okay, cool. And and last week I was like, God, I need to hear that record. And I found it on somebody's blog in like five minutes. So, <laughs> you know, there's definitely like, there's definitely an upside, but I mean, it, it does. I do worry that it makes things, it makes, it does create a sort of a, uh, a browsing, you know, it's, it can, it can take you precious little time to feel like you're an expert yet have no investment in anything that you're sampling, you know, and that is kind of a bummer, but you know, that also boils down to individuals. Like not everyone has that, you know, there are, there have always been people who had that, who have that inclination who tend to just like, like graze on a surface level and, um, and then have a lot of bluster and, you know, and then there are always people who kind of dig deep no matter what. So, right. Where they're going to have the more instinctual nature of like, well, what, el you know, what else is there? What, you know, what, you know, where, where does this go? Right. Or like, right. Just and like spend quality time and quality attention, you know, re really like, uh, um, really just investing energy in something, you know, when you hear, you hear a song or a piece of music that speaks to you, and really like want to like put in the quality time and, and like quality attention to it and, and create, you know, and, and feel a sense of communication, you know, take, have like a communion with it. That's, you know, I, I don't, I mean, it's, you can, you can worry about it. Cause I feel like it does, you know, like there's a, like cyber culture does tend to breed an attitude of, um, of uh, indifference and like kind of like you know shuffling like shuffling through things right but um you know i mean it doesn't you know everything doesn't automatically suck just because it you know it's easy to find <laughs> stuff <laughs> no exactly so. yeah it's it's not yeah. it would be a little bit disingenuous to say the least yeah yeah <laughs> uh so and and then and it's interesting that you bring that up because I think that that's something that I, I've heard more than a couple times on, on this show and just, you know, in general conversation and whatnot that, uh, you know, it, it's because there's this sort of attitude and there's also this attitude of just not disconnection exactly, but like lack of engagement, like maybe not engage with something too deeply because 
maybe a year from now, you'd be like, ah, oh, that was kind of like a cheese whiz band or whatever, and I'm not so into it anymore. And that's something that I, I it's a little puzzling to me. Like I've been trying to figure that out because that's never because I've always been someone that you know I would look at like you know records like you guys and oh who's in the thank you notes oh and these who are these weird band names cool let's go find these bands and, and right check no that that's out. exactly how I mean I think that's in the in the 80s particularly that's how you had to find I mean this is exactly how I found out about weird records you know when I was like desperate to hear more weird records right things that that weren't you know things that weren't normal you know the yeah, only yeah. way you could find out was by reading you know who was by reading thank you thank you lists you know in in you know if i if you got i mean i seriously i bought so many records because on the big black racer xep steve albini actually lists all these bands totally he yeah just, he just lists a bunch of bands it's <laughs> like urge overkill at a time when urge overkill was actually a good interesting band yeah kind of you a know? brutal rockin outfit not the the neil diamond cover right era. exactly <laughs> and you know but but i mean so many bands you know naked Raygun goes without saying i mean it's because of buying um that because i got that big black racer xcp um, rifle sport. I think I went digging, you know, I just basically, sure, there was yeah. a bunch of, there was a bunch of people. I mean, it literally was like, if you like this record, guess what? There's a lot of other bands out there. And, and then there's a list and I was like, all right, I'm going to listen to all these bands, you know? So. And did you, and was, did you, did you ever feel like, I mean, that was like something that you just you know, wanted to participate in because it was part of the culture or do you ever feel like a certain, you know, duty to like, well, I don't know, like, you know, the racer X EP had a bunch of, uh, a bunch of great bands in there. Got to outdo that list. Yeah, no, it's it's a cool. It's 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 one of the it's one of the things you can do. You know, it's how I mean, and I do I do think of it as like spreading the as just like uh, um, sharing the um, sharing your good fortune. You right. know, like oh, I made a record. You know, why not thank the people that you know that I, that were part of the journey to making the record, like in the whole last year, go ahead and, and say, you know, Oh, look, we've toured with this band. We toured with that band. Think of all, cause the record is the culmination of, I think it's one of the cool things about, you know, you have a band when you get to the point of making the record, it, in some way, it's the culmination of the time that you put into the band, that's all the time and energy right. and things that happened in that, you know, year or two leading up to doing the thing and you can look back and, and, you know, it's the, the, the experiences the people that you share the experiences with, that's like part of what that's all in there. It's like all in the, in the woven into what the record is. I mean, that's always been my experience anyway, you know, the record's like a document of a, of a, of a time of this like deep immersion. Right. So, you know, if, if we like in Jawbox, you know, if we were, on tour with trench mouth or um, girls against boys or whomever for, you know, six weeks out of a particular time, like naturally we'd want to put something about it in the, in the record because, you know, it's all. Sure. It's all, it's all, it's all the whole thing. The whole thing boils down to like people, you know, and community and and their, and, and um, the weird, the weird construct of a band in the first place, you know, the fact that everybody agrees to just like create this thing 
and it has a made up pretend name and and we're all going <laughs> to just like throw ourselves at it, you right. know, for the whole time we're doing it is pretty crazy and great. So you got to stick together, you know? Yeah, <laughs> because, no, totally. Because only wonderful, wonderful, insane people really make that kind of investment. You know, the, whether the, um, the normal world, just if they think anything about it, they just think it's, you know, kind of like a charming diversion for like a minute, you know? So I think it's, I think that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's part of, feeling of like well we're all in this you know so the context for what it is that you're doing and like just as important yeah it's like a little it's like passing notes to people you know yeah yeah and and so and speaking of trench mouth did you ever could you ever imagine the one of the guys from there would be on saturday night live i mean that's very it's very funny (laughs) (laughs) i do i do kind of it's easy to see because fred never in all the time that i knew fred when um because the singer damon the singer of trench mouth um is my oldest, oldest friend in the world. And he's the person I knew him in high school. And he's the person who made me my first punk rock tapes. Like he's responsible for getting me to shows and, you know, helping me to realize that I could have a life, sure. you know? And like, um, but so, so when we would play with Trenchmouth, I mean, Fred, I just remember Fred never, ever, ever broke character. He would have these, he would have like two or three characters that he would pull out on tour and just like be the guy like all tour and the whole rest of the band were really good straight men for him, <laughs> which is very so, important in comedy. So yeah, exactly. So it was pretty like, and, and it used to drive me completely mental because every, because Fred's really great too. So every now and then I want to like, I just want to like bro down with, I just want to go like talk to the guy, like, right. Just be like Fred. I mean, cause like Fred loves the damned and I would want to yeah. just go like, Oh my God, Fred, you know, like, I was just listening to the black album, like blah, 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 blah. And just like bullshit about something stupid. And I could not talk to Fred. I could only talk to like the weird (laughs) character that he was in for that time. There is no Fred. There's only Zool. (laughs) You know, but I mean, he's definitely a pretty genius, pretty genius dude. Well, yeah. And that's, you know, and and that's interesting that I I mean, I found in my experience that like a lot of people that, you know, uh, that, devote their life to music just tend to be very funny very witty interesting people will have it you know have a worldview that comes from being a part of this culture of, of like what you're talking about and i don't know it's 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 in a way it's like surprising in a way it's like no that's not really surprising at all like it makes mm-hmm. sense in a way it's it's like punk rock comedy versus you know punk rock music in the mm-hmm. in the overall in the overall encompassing term punk rock not the definition of it as a musical genre necessarily Right, right. No, just right as a as a the weird the weird nebulous like ethos kind of thing. Right. Well, and that's so and kind of kind of a, a gear shift. But what so what's it like? What was it like uh, when you were shifting out of when government issue was kind of nearing its end and you were starting up Jawbox? Uh, what what was the sort of the mindset behind that and how you, and how you started? playing Jawbox? Was it more, did you kind of have a fully formed vision in mind or did it kind of just happen together? No, no, not at all. It was like, um, what happened was, um, when when I joined GIs, um, I had never played in a band before and I had, um, and I was home from college and I really loved GIs. They were one of the first bands that I went to see and I saw them a lot and I loved their, a couple of their records. I just like think are, are 
I've always loved them and always will. And, um, and I saw, I was, so I was home from college and I, I didn't know if I was even going to go back cause I'd blown all my money. And then I saw a flyer in the record store that said they needed a bass player. And at that point it was like kind of a joke because GIs had had, a I was lot. the ninth bass player <laughs> yeah. on the issue. And I remember ever since I started going to shows, it was always like the big joke about GIs is like, who's going to play bass? Who's playing bass in GIs this week? Like who hasn't played bass in GIs in the entire in Washington, DC, like who's left to play bass. And um, right. is anyone left? <laughs> right. Maybe somebody's exactly. kid. <laughs> and so I saw this flyer that they needed a bass player. And I was like, uh, I should just try out. Not like I'm going to get in. I'll just try out. That'd be, that's just like too funny not to do. Like I've got to just do it. And, um, so it was, I had no expectation of getting into the band at all, but, um, and, but for whatever reason, I was the guy that got in. So, um, so that was really amazing. And I had really great, really, really great three years, like intense three years of playing with GIs. And, um, and then when we decided that it was time for GIs to call it quits, um, I actually tried out for scream and I didn't get into it because it was the first time that Skeeter Thompson quit Scream. And I didn't get in, but the, there were only two people that tried out, myself and this other guy. Um, and the other guy was like, uh, uh, the, other, the other guy who got in ended up, they went, they went on tour right away and they kind of didn't get along. And he, they got to L.A. and he got cherry-picked to be part of this um, Rick Rubin like, you know, so he was like, he, they got to LA and he was like, I'm not getting along with these guys. And guess what? My ship just came in. So fuck you guys. And he just bailed on him. So they were stuck in LA and the only other person they could find who knew the songs was me. So they called me and I quit my job and I flew to California and I finished out their tour and I was scream space player for two months. Oh, wow. Okay. Which was really great for me because they were one of my all-time favorite bands and dave Grohl was the drummer at that point and so it was like and they had such a totally different because gi's was very well very tightly organized musically and like you know we wrote our set list and we battened the hatches down like it was just almost like military precision to how we went about at least musically there was because john stab is a loose cannon so the through the rest of us we were just intensely tight because that way John could just be nuts and kind of do his thing. And we were like the rock, you know, and, and whereas in scream, everything was much more loose and freeform and, and kind of, of the moment and fun. And, um, so it was really like, it was really educational in that way. Cause it was a lot more rock and roll, you know, but, um, but I got to the end of that tour and I was just like, I'm a, I'm this guy, I'm this young guy who just joins old guy bands and all my favorite, seriously, that's how I felt. And I was like, Skeeter is really the only bass player in Scream. Like it's not really Scream without Skeeter. And I'm not, I'm not the guy to do this. You know, I should be, if I really am punk rock, I should start my own band because that's what all, all of the really inspirational bands that the bands that really meant something to me, it was not about people going into fill a slot in something that already existed. It was about people starting something new and, and diving into right, that. Right, starting their thing from the from scratch, and also in when being in GIs, like it was, it it just always seemed like, 
you know, I like I had a lot of ideas about songwriting and guitar playing, but I never played guitar before. And um, and in GIs, the guitar was really where the buck stopped as far as songwriting. I mean, I wrote a lot on the bass in GIs, but um, it was hard to write to feel like you were writing a song as the bass player. So I was just like, you know, and um, Kim Coletta and I were going out at that time and she had never played in a band before, but she played bass. And my friend Adam Wade had never played in a band before. He played a little bit in high school, but he had never really, really had a band, proper band. So I was just like, well, let's start our band. You know, Kim and I had this desire to do this, do something together musically. And I was like, all right, we're, this is the band that's going to start from scratch. So that was Jawbox. It was just like the, the punk rock thing of we're going to start from zero and just see where this goes. And... Yeah, exactly. And just and just do, see what comes out. And and um, so that's what that's what Jawbox was. Awesome. And OK. And so that's uh, so, so that's interesting. And then it, you can uh, it seems like you found a voice fairly quickly and you know, kind of laid into it. And was it something where you were, you know, did you kind of know it immediately? You're like, huh, this is, uh, this is cool. <laughs> like I'm, I'm for well, this. I don't know. I mean, I feel like Jawbox always like, like stylistically Jawbox always changed. Like we were always sort of, we were very influenced. Like I know I was very influenced by whatever I was, you know, I was in the sway of things when, if I, you know, like whatever I was listening to, um, but I mean, singing wise, it was like, um, I really enjoyed being the singer because also, you know, out of, <clears throat> I, I think particularly having been in government issue, you know, John Stab just has his, his way, like he has a style that is right. Him. It's his thing. So, and he's very consistent about it. And it just, that's part of what makes government issue, government issue. And, um, and I feel like you know, I just had way more like things that I wanted to hear vocally that I wasn't really shy to try doing. And, and, um, so, so it was really liberating for me to be the singer, even though it also was difficult, you know, but it wasn't, you know, it was fun. It was like super fun. But, um, but, you know, I mean, as far as I feel like Jawbox is like every, like every band, when they start out, they sort of go, you know, like we had our moving target song. I mean, I could I could walk you through like every <laughs> every Drawbox song. And go, oh well, that's a moving target song. Well, that's kind of was started out as like the Fugazi song, but then we changed the feel so that it was more like, you know, this kind of washy rock song or like you know. Sure. I mean, yeah. I could go song by song and tell you what what was whose, what was whose, where the inspiration came, you know. And then gradually, all those things got more diluted until, you know, it became because it became more important to try to find like, I don't think we really found the voice of our band until about halfway through when, when we changed drummers and Zach Baroque has joined our band. Yeah. Because, because his style as a drummer is so idiosyncratic. And that was the first time that we were able to really start writing together by jamming. So right. he would, he would just have a beat. He'd just write a beat and then you could play start start playing to it and everybody would have to start filling in. And then I could be like a traffic cop of, of notes, you know, of harmonies and, 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 and um, how that, you know, how, how things might layer, but it wasn't, 
you know, whereas before I would literally be like, well, I want to write a song kind of sounds like helmet, <laughs> you know, right, like, it's, it's totally, like that yeah. dumb, like that's that dumb, you know? And then, you know, and then sooner or later I would always go like, oh, it sounds too much like helmet. I've got a D I've got to, I got to destroy this thing a little bit and make right. it not so obvious, you know? Didn't he, but, um, didn't Zach, when he, uh, when he very first joined up, what didn't he like go by like, have like a friend of mine said he like went by like different crazy monikers like yeah he used to put a different name on every (laughs) on every record yeah (laughs) he he used to be he was my favorite one i think was takashi shimura who's this japanese actor who was in seven samurai and oh wow um, (laughs) yeah nice but he he and i think i can't remember if he was he might have been al de pants you in one record (laughs) <laughs> like but anyway yeah he 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 did that a lot it was cool <laughs> i was uh there's a x-band man of mine that insisted on being billed as richard dick necklace on a record i'm like really you really you really want to that's okay yeah, people are gonna see that you know but, or zach at least used to change it every record so if you didn't like one you know like wait for just, the next one you know you'd have a different one yeah well so how was the addition of bill on second guitar and 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 doing vocals as well. How was that as far as with, with the songwriting? Cause, uh, you... uh, it was, it was great. <clears throat> it was really great. It was, it also was, it was great, but it was also frustrating because it was great to have a foil, like somebody who, um, because Kim tended to write a lot, but she tended not to think in big, in, in, in terms of the whole song, she tended to write riffs and then we could jam on the riffs and, and build songs around them. But, um, you know, Bill, it was, it was cool because Bill's, Bill was really like as much or even more of a weird, like crazy music fan, even, you know, I mean, we were like really well matched in a way. Like he's a, he's a super smart guy and super creative and really loves, really loves music. And the, so in that sense, it was really nice to have somebody who was as, as, um, as, motivated of a like like you know like and he would think in in terms of of a song you know in the right. same Have you know, that we idea. To yeah. sort of think similarly i guess is what i'm saying and that was kind of cool but what's frustrating is there was also like a super competitive vibe which is part of what the i think in part created the the energy that people said that they liked in that band i think because you know like we would tend to write like I if I wrote a song if I if I had a whole song written <clears throat> on guitar, Bill would tend to write parts that kind of fought against my parts, and oh, it was like this battle man. for dominance of like which guitar <laughs> is the actual voice of the song, you know, and it pretty much always ended in a draw. So a lot of those songs are really like claustrophobic, you know, with guitar arrangements are just like every available bit of space is just full of these guitars that are kind of pissed off at each other you know and um <laughs> no, that's great that's, sometimes that's a great sometimes that works really really great but sometimes it would be like i would just think to myself like why don't we just play the song that i wrote that i'm showing you now <laughs> you know and uh so you know so it's probably 50 50 50 that way whereas i tend to be a much more uh, empathetic collaborator if you show me a song i'll try to do something that that kind of works around your your obvious intention instead of trying to sabotage trying to it dominate the field you know <laughs> <clears throat> 
but it was overall, it was really good. It really helped, really like helped the band kind of grow musically. Well, it's interesting because I think one of the things that you would think of if you know people were to think of Jawbox with the, with the signature sound, it is that thing you're talking of. Just like, why is the guitar doing that? What's what's right. that one doing? Why why do they do that? That's crazy. Did humans think of that? Like it's just it just yeah, doesn't make any I sense mean, in a way. But that's what makes it awesome. Well, that's nice. That's nice to hear. I'm all, I mean, that's what I was thinking in the end. I'm like, well, I'm glad people like this, you know, because sometimes I, sometimes I really like it. And sometimes I just feel like, I feel like, you know, I'm like, uh, when I, like, if I would bring a song, I'd be like, this song, this song that I brought is already chock full of weird chords and they, the weird chord A goes to weird chord B for a reason and they and it does it in a in a musically logical way and then suddenly like weird chords x and y just show up and they're like drunk and they're like trying to fuck up the party and i'm like (laughs) all right seriously you guys like sober up and come back when like when you know what address you're coming to you know but but that's you know that really didn't it's i'm really describing the creative process more than the result you know because it it pretty much yeah you know it pretty much worked out in the end you know it was way more fun than not fun well, definitely. And I mean, I think that, you know, it's something where there's a clear line for that progression, too, from from all the material, um, you know, right up right up until the end. And I actually think that that the, the second, you know, I, I think uh, for your own special sweetheart's a great record. But I think that there's a that second record. I, I think it's a self-titled, right? The, the last one. Yeah. You done yeah. Our last record. That's is... a lot more intense and vital than any band at that level in time would necessarily you would expect from and i thought that was really laudable for you guys like i was like wow this is like if i just only had heard this i'd be like this band kicks ass well that is super nice i appreciate that greatly because that that was the record that we i think that's the record where we feel like we actually knew what we were trying you know we we had a really clear sense of what our band was was about and we were trying to do a lot we were trying to stretch out and do you know, we were trying, it's, I don't know. I mean, Zach, Zach joining the band was like, okay, now we definitely have a, we have a sound. There's like an anchor for our sound and, and the two records that we made together. I mean, that, that last record we were super proud of. It was like the most fun to make and the most self-assured and, right. you know, I mean, it, it's, I, you know, and <clears throat> it's nice because I don't actually know. There's plenty of Jawbox songs that I think are just plain kind of bad that in the way that like, <laughs> In the way that, like, you know, bands write bad songs, especially yeah. when it's like you're all together in a room, and and it's like a very classic way that that bands do, where they're like, you know, person X says, "Oh, well, I got two parts. It kind of seemed they go together. Like, it's this is a verse, and here's the chorus, and then if somebody else goes, oh, I got this thing, and and then you go, oh, we'll just play that after. And, hey, that's the bridge. All right, I guess we wrote a song, you know. Right. The and there isn't a lot model. of like. <laughs> it isn't much deeper than that, you know? So, and that sometimes is great, but sometimes you end up writing really bad songs that way. And they're, you know, but I, but I feel like it's once we were playing with Zach, it's like, I mean, whether the material is good or bad or, or whatever it is, I mean, it's, it's, I feel really proud of it because I, it's like we were invested in, in a different way, you know? I mean, so 
I don't know. But it's funny because people thought that last record was like supposed to be a sellout record or it was too slick or whatever. Well, oh, I mean, no way. it just doesn't matter really. But yeah, I mean, not that that matters um, at all. But like, I, I, I thought anything, anything got I me. Mean, I worked at a record store at the time. So, and we were sort of limited to what we could have on, on, you know, play in the store. But, and that was on PlayStock. And I was like, this is like, this is badass. This isn't like Consolation Prize badass. This is just badass. And, it kind of actually, I only knew from your other major labor record before that. Actually, that's the one that made me go back and dig through, you know, Grip and uh, the self-titled EP and, and whatnot and kind of find all the rest of it. And it was because that one had such a, and it, you mentioned, you know, it, it has a very self-assured voice, I think. And I think that that's something that, you know, whether it's a, a band that nobody heard of that just released their first EP or whether it's a, you know, a band that's been around for forever, I think it's, that's a nice thing when you just have that like self-assurance of just knowing your own strengths, no, and knowing your voice. No, it's really, it's nice to hear that. I really appreciate it. Cause I, th- I mean, I think that we got better as we got, as we went along. Unlike, you know, a lot of people, it's weird to me when people talk about bands, I get it too. Why there's plenty of bands where their first record is that burst of inspiration. That's really exciting. And then everything kind of goes downhill. Whereas with Jawbox, right. it's like we were taking baby steps you know, to kind of find, find out what, what kind of band we were. And by the end, we really felt like, you know, we just, we just got better with every record, which was, which was pretty cool. And I'm not saying that we were good. I'm just saying that we improved. No, I'll say it. <laughs> I'll say it, Jay. <laughs> you guys were great. Not good. Great. Well, so what we, was it we, like? As, so as a guy that, uh, you know, does a lot of production and engineering work yourself, what was, uh, was it John Agnello did that one? Is yeah. that right? Who did a like Dinosaur Jr. and a lot of uh, really underrated dude, actually. Uh, he's Yeah, he's amazing. He's totally great. And the thing that's great about him is not like it's not a sonic thing because he's that's like a thing that people, I think, don't maybe don't realize so much about recording. It's like it's not actually like if a band sounds good to begin with it's not that hard to make a good sounding recording of them. <laughs> so it's not like a super right. special, it's not, I mean, I'm not trying to downplay, you know, it is, it is a good, you know, it's, it's developing those skills is really wonderful. And a, a good engineer is a group, you know, a great thing. And like, you know, congratulations to anyone who achieves a skill level of, of doing that. But the real magic of, of John is like, of course he's a good engineer, you know, like, duh, but that's not important. What's important is he really made us feel like like we were just going to do the best thing we could possibly do. And of course, why wouldn't it turn out awesome? You know, like the vi- like the feeling of of working with John was just like, guess what? Making records is fucking awesome. <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna turn out great. Like nice. You know, and even even when it was hard and like. You know, because I could be like I could beat myself up pretty hard in the studio, and and uh, even when I was like super down on myself, I still was like, yeah, but I'm gonna come through it, and it's gonna be good. You know, like John would always have a way to just make it fun and fun again and defuse the thing, and just like not even with some special strategy or anything, he just is an excellent guy. He just has this, or you know, he just brings this aura that is like, you know what could possibly be better than making this record right now? How's, how could it, how could it, how could it not be awesome? You know? So, and, um, so that's pretty cool. And I mean, you know, we had a good experience when we did for your own special sweetheart, when we worked with Ted nicely, 
who did, um, you know, was most famous probably for recording Fugazi, but he did a fair few really good records. And Ted's, <clears throat> Ted, but that was more like going to school because we learned a lot about, I learned a lot about my musical inadequacies when I worked with Ted. <laughs> so I, like, I learned to listen in ways that I didn't understand how to listen before. So I was like, oh, I can't possibly, I can't play this. Like, I've got to really like batten down the hatches and just work. It was like, it was like studying for an exam for graduate school. It was like super intense. And then we took all that with us. So we were that guy when we went to the last record, we like sure. did all, all the like unfun shit of like super prepping, you know, like practicing with a click track and, and like charting out the songs in this crazy way and being very, very demanding on ourselves. Like John didn't have to do any of that because we were just way over the top. So, you know, we would do a take and he'd be like, Hey, that was great. I think that could be the one. And we'd be like, Oh, John, John, really? Please. You know, <laughs> like, so it was pretty like, it's pretty funny, but you know, so it's like, we kind of got both the last one. We were really spoiled. Like we took our Ted nicely education and then we just got to go, you know, with the, the nutty professor and have fun, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, and I mean, the results speak for themselves. Like it, it definitely has a totally different feel than, you know, when you're, and, and I think you mentioned one of probably one of the most important things and I'm going to repeat it just because it's something that I've certainly on my mind of just listening, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, it's shocking to me how, <laughs> how much of a difference it makes when you just listen to each other and listen to, you know, okay, what's the greater whole of this? Like, what is, you know, what is right. this actually adding? What is this, <laughs> what, right. is, what is this doing? Is this do what we want it to do? Right. Right. I mean, that's, it's, 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 I think like, it's weird. Like the internal life of Jawbox was really like, this is like getting kind of heady, I guess, but no, like I have head, really great memories because I feel like, <laughs> I feel like it, um, like I remember particularly like jamming with Zach when, when you, when we were working on stuff and it would click and that kind of communication was, is, you know, really amazing. And cause the whole point of this is communication, right? So so that, but it was all very internal. And then, at a, but at a certain point, you know, like you're making this thing because you want to communicate with the world at large. Like you want to communicate with the person who's going to listen to your song. So it's a totally different thing to have everybody on the same page about like, what is the song trying to communicate, you know? Right, right. So, I mean, but I do think that, you know, we sort of pretty much got there. More well, or less. And so where did, no, absolutely. And so where, at what point do you say, you know, who comes up with the idea for, Hey, let's do cornflake girl. Let's do it. Let's uh, do that was Tori Amos cover. Bill just thought it was funny because uh, Tori Amos is from Maryland and we're from Maryland and we were both on Atlantic records. And he thought it was like, <clears throat> it was like a, it was a little bit of a piss take, honestly, like, right. Just to, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't like mean spirited at all. You know, like we were trying to drag her down and go like, you know, don't forget about Baltimore Tory, you know, but, (laughs) but like, but it was a little bit, maybe it was just like, not, you know, it wasn't mean spirited at all. I mean, I can't stand Tori Amos. I think she's awful. Like I would, I would much rather hear Kate Bush like any day. Yeah. Just. That's what I was wondering is that, you know, what's, you know, were you guys big fans? Is it was just sort of like a, this is, let's screw it. Let's just do this. It'll be funny. We can like do a good version of it, which it is a good version. It actually, no. And I mean, I, I think it's, I think musically it's a pretty cool song. 
Yeah. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge, oh yeah, I'm just not a fan. I just don't think really, you know, I mean, I, I could, I'm, yeah, I'm not a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of Kate Bush, which makes me less of a fan of Tori Amos. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I completely get what you're, where you're going with that. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so talk to me about, uh, the transition from uh, Jawbox over to Burning Airlines and when, when you guys started up with that, because I, I was always a little unclear that, and, and again, you have to realize, you know, different times too, mm-hmm. but I wasn't aware that Jawbox had even broken up for like a long time. Cause of course I'm out, out here in Oakland, you know, so it's, well, and away. we, and we didn't really make a big deal out of it. Like we didn't play a farewell show or anything, you know? Right. <clears throat> but, um, Jawbox just kind of died out because we, we just kind of ran out of steam. We had gone at, at the thing full bore for such a long time. And, um, Zach particularly wanted to go back to school and um, everyone was feeling, not everyone, but, but Kim and Bill particularly were feeling older and feeling like burned out that, that the band had kind of, I think we all collectively felt like Jawbox had achieved what it was going to achieve creatively. And, and as far as, you know, that thing that, you know, the band's, a band sort of has a kind of momentum and, and, and then, you know, you're, you're, if you sort of ride the wave correctly, then you're really psyched. Cause you're like, Oh, we did a tour. Oh, we actually like didn't lose our shirts on the tour. Oh, we, we toured right. more and things got a little better. And then somebody said we could go to Europe. So we went to Europe and then, well, that was really great. And then we got, you know, and then you end up having these other, you just get new and new and different experiences that kind new of naturally challenges, new you, know, you work hard yeah. at it, but they seem to kind of evolve like one thing flows to the next thing. And, and the sort of feeling of it flowing was, had pretty much stopped where, you know, um, and, and it did coincide with Atlantic just realizing that we were not going to make, you know, nobody was going to get famous or rich. Right. Maybe you weren't and, the next Nirvana. <laughs> right exactly like the whole the the wind kind of went out of the sails of the whole nirvana boom and um and they you know that last record they they basically they were they were fighting to not to to have us not record it i mean they desperately <laughs> really they really would have loved to just not have to do it and we pushed and pushed because we got we got that thing where um the the like famous cliche where the A and R guy says, you know, oh well, these demos are pretty good, but I think you know you guys should, I think you guys should just keep on writing, just keep writing. And we're like, we have eighteen songs here, like we're ready to go. It's, yeah, two, it's two years since the last record, and we're we're ready to make a record. So they did us the courtesy of releasing it, and I guess you know we made a video or two, and so that's you know they didn't totally abandon us, but really when by the time the record came out, it really was just like okay, your record physically exists, done. Yeah, we're done you know? now, and, right? And that's it. So so we were just burnt. And <clears throat> Kim and Bill were going to get married. And um, so everyone sort of had the feeling just for the moment that maybe, you know, it was, well, not, I can't say everyone, but I think it was in the air, just that thing of like, well, we had a good run and it's time to be done. And then I sort of, um, didn't do anything for a little bit, but I kind of had, I had songs and I just was itching to play and, um, Pete Moffat wanted to play and, and I thought, you know, it was, 
when Bill and I were in a band together and we were both basically doing the exact same thing, singing and playing guitar, it had that argumentative thing that was just like super annoying and headache inducing, but (laughs) he was, but he's so great on so many levels that I bet if we were doing different things, if Bill was playing bass instead of playing guitar, occupying a different register, maybe. Right. Just if we had different territory, you know, to claim instead of fighting over the same territory, then we could really collaborate and do something awesome. And so that was my, you know, impetus for, for wanting to play with Bill. And the only, and I think that worked out real, I mean, I'm super proud of burning airlines. I, I, I mean, I'm super, super proud of burning airlines. And, um, the only drag was that Bill was very clear about not wanting to ever tour. So we did, he didn't really, you know, we didn't, after the first record, it was just, we couldn't play with him anymore because right. Pete and I really wanted to get out the band there. to yeah, do yeah, something. Yeah. So, um, we got invited to, we, we toured Europe with braid and we, we got a friend to play bass on that tour. And then, um, and then Mike Harbin joined the band as the real bass player. And he was an awesome collaborator and a great dude. And, and that band, that band was super fun. And, um, you know, I'm, 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 it sort of still bums me out that we, that the band had to break up, but you know, yeah. I mean, was it still I think it, I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of it. <laughs> was, was it still super fun after September 11th being called burning airlines? Yeah, that was a large, that was a, <clears throat> that was a, a bit of a factor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a drag. It uh, was not a small factor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it's, it, yeah. and man, we were on tour then we, we were on tour. We played in, um, it, it sucked so bad because we were, I, I was in El Paso, Texas. I remember waking up in El Paso, Texas and I couldn't phone home. Like I couldn't call my wife. Like I was, oh, wow. you know, like we'd been married. I mean, I was married, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, like yeah. um, I have no idea what's going on. We didn't know where we were supposed to. We were just like, well, we're not going to drive just like abandon the tour. We were on tour with uh, rival schools. Like, are we going to just bail out on the tour? Is there a tour? I don't know. Is the world ending? Like, what's going on? So yeah, nobody really knew what to do. I remember yeah. it was sort of like, well, what now? Yeah. So we just we were like, well, let's just drive. The next show is at Tempe, Arizona. Like, we're gonna we'll just drive to Tempe, Arizona. We didn't have a cell phone because there were no. We just didn't have one then. So, right. um, <clears throat> it was not weird to not have one, you know. So we just showed up and we played that night in Tempe, Arizona, and we played the rest of the tour and just took our name off the marquee. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous when you think that people would be offended by our name as if we named our band that day after like airplanes crashing into the, <laughs> right. Like, exactly. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, you know, but, but, um, but people are ridiculous and they got especially ridiculous then. Right. So, but yeah, that was, that took the wind out of our sails, but I mean, you know, it's it's another case of like bands have a natural lifespan, I guess. So, and you just kind of gotta go with it, you know. Well, absolutely, and I think it's you know it's it is too bad because and I was lucky enough that I saw you I saw Burning Airlines play with Dismemberment Plan uh, on the West Coast. I think on that first tour, uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. And I kind of kind of was like, oh, that's awesome. It's like a whole new thing, but has like this kind of element of, of of the same as well i'm excited to be you know seeing this band play like for many years to come and then it just kind of like oh 
They're gone? No. Oh. Huh. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just DC. It's a DC upbringing. The bands can't stick, can't stay together. <laughs> right. Exactly. But, yeah. you know, but it's weird because people like, I mean, I, I do, I'm guilty of probably working on the same, the same project aesthetically, like in, in my mind, like I, like every band that I've been in since we, since Jawbox kind of got its shit together, I, I, I know that I have certain things that I'm, that I'm working on aesthetically. So it's not like it feels like all part of the, it does sort of feel like all part of the same project to me, even though the really awesome, like the thing that's super fun is, you know, that Zach plays drums one way and Pete Moffat plays drums a completely different way. That's also badass. And, and Darren Zentek is just like phenomenal, like drummer from another planet. And he's got, you know, it's like the other people bring their, bring their, what they bring to it makes it different and you know i mean but for me i'm still i'm i'm like my part of it i guess doesn't really change that much because i have i i have a you know a few aesthetic projects that i'm just going to be whittling away at probably till i die you know whether anybody hears it or not you know well, so. sure, and so you know, and that's an excellent segue as anything else for uh, Office of Future Plans. Like, how? So, tell me about that. Tell me about Office of Future Plans, which is I, I got to admit I'm not as familiar with as I should be, and I'm, I'm looking to change that. Uh, well, but I, I've we heard don't, it I mean, and I liked it. I mean, we have one. We have one LP. There's a guy that plays cello in there, if I remember correctly. Yeah, right? yeah. Gordon Gordon was a guy that we <clears throat> that I we knew when Jawbox was together. He was a it was a student, and he did a cello arrangement of Jawbox songs as like a senior project, and then he and we had a tape of it that he gave us, and so we were always in touch with him after that, and um and he's just like. He's just like phenomenal. He's a phenomenal musician. He's played on a lot of records too. And I've like stuff that I've recorded bands that I've recorded. If they want cello, I know that I can call him and he'll always, he, he just, you know, he's just like, he's just awesome. He does the right thing, you know, for the song. And then like a thing that you don't expect that you didn't, you didn't imagine it. But once you hear it, you're like, wow, well, it, you know, it belongs there, you know? And, um, and just a super nice guy, a super, super sweet dude. But, um, you know, Office of Future Plans has one full length on Discord, and we have a, a split EP <clears throat> with a really great French band called Daria um, that came out on Love It Records. And we, you know, we did our first, did our first single, which was self-released. But, um, um, but the whole, it's, what happened was I had a band with, um, had a band called channels with right. Darren Zentech on the drums and my wife, Janet was in it. And channels is probably my favorite band I ever, ever had. And, um, and I really feel like it's the best the album that we made is the best record that I ever made. And wow, that's strong words. Okay. And, um, but, <clears throat> but, um, but it's one of those things of being, um, a you know, like, I mean, basically, um, you know, Janet and I have a son and, um, when, uh, he was, he has a rare, um, neuromuscular disorder. And when he got this diagnosis, um, when he was six months old, that really kind of hit us like a ton of bricks. And it was really clear that, you know, 
whatever whatever we thought we were going to do with the band really the band just had to not the band just had to take a way 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 back seat because this it was a very huge thing that we were about to deal with and and um and then it just became apparent that we couldn't really you know there was no between um taking care of a child with special needs and just like having like a real life and trying to like do all the like quotidian grown-up shit just to live there would be no time left over for us to collaborate on music in the same way of you know i mean we make music together still but as far as having that band it just wasn't going to happen so and for a while i thought like maybe it's just time for me to be done thinking about playing music i just have to you know that was a thing that i did and it was awesome but i can't i don't have the energy you know i shouldn't be doing it or whatever and then what happened after a little while was I basically was miserable and I <laughs> like not miserable. I shouldn't say that, but I, but something was definitely missing with me, like not with me literally saying to myself, well, not playing, yeah. no music, you know? And so I started making time to make music and wouldn't, you know it, like I just felt way better and everything got better. My attitude, I was just like, clearly this, this is important. Like for me, like I gotta, I gotta make music. I don't, if nobody hears it, it doesn't matter, but I have to do, I have to create something. It has to happen. So I started making time for that and, um, doing recordings with Darren and I thought it was going to be a solo record, but I was like super, uh, beating myself up about the idea of a solo record. I was just like, ugh, what a solo record. That's so shitty. Like, don't do that. Like, (laughs) but but I was like, it doesn't matter what it is. I'll just keep doing it. And so, so I, um, and I was very happy about how the songs were turning out. And then, um, uh, my, my friend, Jeff Dean, who's a guitar player, um, who he played in a band called the bomb that had, uh, Jeff Pizzotti, the singer from naked Reagan was in this band, the bomb. And, um, I recorded a couple of their records and Jeff's a, a pretty good friend of mine who lives in Chicago and the bomb was coming through on tour. And Jeff was like, you should open for us. And I was like, at that point, I was like, I can't do a solo show. <clears throat> I really was down on the idea. I don't know why. I was just like really psycho about it. I was like, I can't do it. But you know what I could do is I could get these guys to like play with me and we'll have a band for a day. Just, you know, fuck it. That'll be fun. So I got Darren to play drums and Gordon to play guitar and cello and Brooks to play bass. And then it was really fun. And then I was like, oh this should be a band. This just is a band. Look, we're already a band. Here we are, <laughs> like a band kind playing these songs. So, already, yeah. I had all the, so then that's basically Office of Future Plans. But unfortunately, um, what's happened with Office of Future Plans now is um, when we formed, um, we were mostly just 90, 85, 90% of what we played was just stuff that I wrote that had I recorded all the parts and just showed everybody um, and then we were a real band and we jammed out some things and wrote a few things together, but, um, but nobody, it's weird. Like, I think everybody comes from that background, Darren, especially cause he used to be in kerosene 454 and that band used to practice like all day long. They lived together in a house and like six days a week, they'd practice for four hours a day and just jam and write. And that's how they wrote all their stuff. And, um, but as you know, middle-aged grownups, there's no time to like go down in the basement for six hours and let let ideas marinate and just kind of see what comes out. 
So we never really were able to catch a groove right? to like, to, we could jam and it was okay, but we could never write a finished song by jamming. And it just kind of ground, it just kind of got stuck. So, um, and then, so what's happened since then, we kind of, we haven't really been up to much to tell you the truth. And Darren, um, we've parted ways with Darren because his, his real life is just too real. And the band was not, was starting to not be fun for him to do like even making time to to practice it was like it was more stressful than it was stress relieving so so i'm basically now at a point where um i can play with brooks and gordon and i've been doing solo shows and a lot of like acoustic shows with either one or both of those guys and that's been super fun and i really really have been enjoying doing that and um and then we did a little recording with Pete Moffat, but we don't really know if it's Office of Future Plans. It might just be a Jay Robbins record that we're making, or it might be a, a new band with a different name, or it might be Office of Future Plans. But you know, interesting. We're okay. just going to let it become what it is going to become. You know. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you're playing, man. I mean, it's you know you you got a unique voice, and it's it's. I'm sure it's something that uh, is good for your mental health, but uh, I, I think you've still got a lot to offer to the world musically. And I'm personally very glad that you're playing. Well, so. I appreciate that greatly. <laughs> Thank you. Cause it's definitely, definitely me, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I think I've never understood people who could just walk away from playing stop. music, you know, and I know I've known a, a fair number of them who like a serial killer, just stop. Right. Yeah. They were <laughs> just the band, they were like band band dudes. Yeah. And then they and then they were like, all right, well, now I'm old, so I'm done. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I can't really I can't really fathom that. So Well, Jay, gosh, this is this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for doing it. Thank you so much for your patience with everything. Uh I, I hope we can I hope we can do it again sometime. This is been, well, been I, awesome. I really, I really appreciate, uh, I really appreciate your interest, Conan. And uh <laughs> hope, you know, I I appreciate it greatly. And I know you have a, an acoustic EP that uh, as well, and there's plenty more I want to talk about. I'm I'm going way over time and being a little bit of a dick here uh, because we have another great show coming up on Radio Note uh, after this, and I'm uh, looking forward to that. But I just no chance I would ever cut you off in any way, shape, or form because oh, I'm, sorry, no, <laughs> no, no, not I'm a, not at all. I'm I'm the one that should be apologizing. Uh, but I, I really hope you that someday you uh, you you will come back and speak to me again, and uh, I would love to have you. Well, I would love to. Thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, keep 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 at it, man. Don't quit. That's oh, I, there's there's yeah. I mean, sure, <laughs> <laughs> of course. I don't really have an alternative. So, um, but yeah, thanks a million. All right, Jay. Thanks so much, right. man. Take care. All right. Bye. Jay Robbins, there he is. What a guy. <laughs>
endless days of parallel play Cause bloodless hearts don't break The taste of real emotion leaves you feeling so fake But you shine in the deleted scenes and alternate takes Never let on, you never let in your belly
Jawbox. That was a. What an awesome dude! Uh, what a what a what a great great dude. Inspiring. Yeah, that's right. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, we're way over time here. Coming up next, we have uh, songs from under the floorboards. Uh, this week has a guest host, Bradley R. Weissenberger. I'm really looking on? forward to this. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, yeah, all things Jay Robbins. Uh, please, by all means, check out uh, Office of Future Plans, channels, uh, the Abandoned Mansions Acoustic EP, Jay Robbins. Uh, we'll, we'll link to everything on the site, radioneutron.com. For the podcast, when that's out. Uh, is there anything else? Uh, thanks for listening. As always, uh, this is... Uh, this is your host, Kona Neutron, signing off. Coming up next, songs from under the floorboards. Thanks for staying with us. at sea, anyone within the sound of my voice, I've got 50,000 watts of power.
to electricity. Can you hear me now? Out on Route 128, dark and lonely. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? if there's no one there to receive. It's the 
radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day. Emergency!